Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. going to be here for the full two hours today, but I mean, everybody got to work, right? You can't just lay on your ass forever, but uh, always good to kind of take a little break, and uh, actually, I mean, I've spent most of the weekend uh, talking to uh, Marines, and um And the, um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm more convinced now, and I say this, that's Lady Gaga right there, she's not supposed to be playing, um, I'm more convinced now than ever, you know, that, that 
I mean, people struggle because they just don't know, you know, how to get through, you know, how to get through it. And um, they're amazed when you, you know, say, look, I, I can show you uh, a path through, and it's pretty common sense stuff. Uh, all comes from Marine, so come on. Can't be, <laughs> it can't be that complicated if Marines are are, uh, are doing it. And so, um, and then they then they look at it. And uh, and again, the more you know that 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 I do this, I you know I say these things. And I know it's repetitive, but um, they're they're essentially, you know, the the longest of long shots. And so went down and met with somebody on Christmas Day down in San Clemente. And the uh, story is uh, is honestly is amazing. And, uh, you know, comes from a different country, came here as a refugee, you know, as a little kid, saw people shot, hung, as uh, his family escaped um, a regional tribal war, comes to this country as a refugee, and all that that entails. And uh, so, um, and then just a lot of other shit on top on top of that and then you you go look for help and what do you get you get the uh uh we'll talk about it we'll medicate you um and and it just doesn't help and especially if you don't connect with whoever you're doing it with and that's a problem. I'm mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. And then uh so anyway, so yeah, I don't know that I'll forget this Christmas anytime soon. Um and that young man is the one that walked up to me uh during the week and said, I was gonna kill myself this weekend. But I'm not now because of what I heard here. And so, um never had that happen to me before. And so I spent Spent some time just hang just hanging out with him on a um, down in San Clemente. Went that we went down to the pier. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with San Clemente, above the pier, there's a parking lot. There's a statue now of a marine there. Yeah, I mean they like us in San Clemente. They used not to like us so much. And uh, now they like us. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. And so I did that. And then got an email, email out of the blue uh, yesterday morning. Laying in bed. The phone vibrates. And uh, read it. Uh, I don't know you. A friend of mine told me about you, and my life's falling apart. Could I, could I talk to you? And so, um, so it's the good stuff Marines are doing, right? The good stuff Marines are doing. So, um, 
I just pick up the phone and call him. Hey, I'm the dude who you just emailed. How are you? Not good. And then, you know, they tell you their story. You know, this involved the breakup of a relationship. And it was very much his fault. And he, and he knows it. And he doesn't see a way through. And a friend of him told me, told him that, hey, man, you've got to see this shit. And um, he said, the reason that I emailed you is my friends never said anything like that to me about mental health before in the whole time I've known him, right? And they're friends uh, from their time in the Marine Corps. One's still in, and this kid is out. And so, um, and so he called. And so I said, hey, man, I'll let you... Um, how about if I let you watch, you know, this presentation and you can, you know, you can tell me what you think. And he said, yeah. So he's, he's calling me after he watches every hour. After he does the first hour, I said, well, do you want to watch another one? He said, yeah. After he watches the second one, I said, are you going to watch another one? He goes, I'm going to watch the whole thing. So, but like most of this, it's not a, you know, it's not a straight line from the time somebody meets you till, you know, they get to a better place. It's a, it's a pretty crooked path and there's a fair amount of setbacks. So then I don't hear from him. And, um, then I get a text last night saying, Hey, you know, I wish I would met you sooner. None of this really matters anymore. She's not a part of my life. And, uh, and you know, I will tell you this, I think the hardest thing to do, uh, in these situations is give people room because your instinct is to do what your instinct is to close with them, uh, is to close with them. And, uh, and you're afraid and whatnot. But I think that, um, if you have a, a pretty lucid conversation with somebody, um, I don't know. I don't know if you develop a sense or whatnot, but um, so I think the hardest thing to do is to let them sleep, to let them um, to let them digest it, and uh, and so that's what I did. I let him sleep. And, uh, and I will, um, I will re-engage at some point today, or I might re-engage, allow his friends to re-engage with him. So I, um, I, um, so, I mean, there's a bit of an art to it. Um, and their friends most of the time are, are, are the most, um, are the most powerful tools that you know you have in your arsenal. Um, so we'll, uh, so yeah, that part of my weekend. And like I said, I mean, it, it's a weekend, it's a Christmas that uh, that I won't forget anytime soon, ever. It's one of the best Christmas I've ever had. In spite of my daughter Catherine got told that she'd been exposed to somebody who had um, COVID, confirmed COVID. So it's like, what do we, what do we do? Do we cancel Christmas? Um, 
And so Mike's wife and I, Susan, are talking about, you know, well, what do we do? You know? And so at first it was like, all right, what would we do if there, if Christmas wasn't here? Well, we, Catherine would quarantine herself and, you know, she'd go get her tests. And when she was cleared, then life would resume. Okay. So we know what the right thing to do is. Now let's talk about <laughs> how Christmas complicates all this. And so we did. And, uh, and, and it does. It straight up complicates it. And so, um, so then it was like, well, we can't do Christmas. So then I think we both thought about it. And she called me later on the day. And she said, well, what about this? She said, what about if we come over and we're in the backyard, my backyard, and we're all spread out. Catherine's got a mask on, so does everybody else. We're outside. And our, our daughter-in-law-to-be... Patrick's fiance, her name's Sarah. She's a, she's got a uh, master's in, I don't know what kind of biology or public health it is, but yeah, Sarah's smart girl from John Hopkins, Nola. And so, uh, so we did a Zoom call on Christmas, and we were talking to Sarah about it, and she said, "Well, that, that should be fine, as long as you're outside, right?" And does she have any symptoms? No. Okay. So, but again, you could be an asymptomatic carrier and all of that. So. So anyway, uh, so that's what we did. Uh, we were outside, and we uh, we opened presents, and we socially distanced. And then we did, we we're, you know, Mike's was going to make turkey for dinner, but if we have to eat outside, the turkey wasn't going to be ready till 6, 6.30, and it would have been too cold if we ate outside. So we recocked that to do the day after Christmas, and we um, ate in the early afternoon or late afternoon when it was still nice outside. And so, I mean, and so it goes, right? And as we were talking later, it's like, hey, look, you know something? If this is as bad as your Christmas ever gets, guess what? You won. Because <laughs> Christmas can get a whole lot worse than this. Um, but uh, the combination of uh, just talking to people that are in a bad place. And uh, and again, those words, I was going to kill myself. Uh, but I'm not now because of what you said. So, um, yeah, so I decided I wanted to get a tattoo for a while. Don't ask me why. It's immature, I know. I'm, not, I'm supposed to be beyond that, but I'm not. And it will say something about Psalm 23. Not sure exactly what, but it'll say something about that. So, yeah, that's on the, that's on my horizon in the not too distant future. So, yeah, how 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 exciting is that? Alex Holling's going to join us today at the bottom of the hour, and Alex will hang around with thirty minutes for about thirty minutes, and then we'll be done. So we'll catch up with him. We'll talk to Alex about kind of the year in review. You know, biggest news um, over the holidays: the president signing the. Uh, bill to fund COVID relief and keep the government running so the government wasn't shut down, so that that's in the news. Um, so that's probably the biggest news. And then um, somebody blew themselves up in Nashville uh, trying to be <laughs> uh, an explosion. 
from what I can see, I haven't seen any data on it. I haven't seen anything that estimates the size of the explosion, but the um, just the pictures thing was huge. Yeah, it was it was a monstrosity of an explosion. And so, um, and evidently the uh, the bomber was killed in it. So, more to follow on that. They've identified that guy. And I, I, I honestly think that as a nation, we will see more of that in the future. It pains me to say it, but I do believe it. I think that um, the amount of uh, garbage that's out there um, is ridiculous. And just like that guy from Illinois who was a liberal who went to Washington, D.C. to shoot all those congressmen at baseball practice, um, that stuff is not going away. It's going to be part of our future. And you get more and more crazy all the time. And you have people... Um, who are isolated and then radicalized by this stuff. And then they decide, right, in their disturbed nature to, um, to do something like this. And, you know, just thank God that nobody was killed other, evident, other than evidently the bomber himself. But I don't think, I think that, you know, that type of domestic response is going to be in our future for a while because of this, the rhetoric in our country and the way it is. It's, uh, it pains me to say it, but I, I believe it. The other thing I did was I watched It's a Wonderful Life a couple times. Yeah. And um, I watched the 4K colorized version. Now, a lot of people don't like colorized film. I will tell you this. If you have not seen... The 4K, not not the Turner Classic Movies garbage colorized version of it, which was, you know, some form of embryonic digital colorization, um, I think. I'm not sure if it was even digitized. I think it was just colored. Um, but we can crawl down that rabbit hole and find out how that original technology works. But... Um, I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life. I'm scrutinizing it. It's my favorite movie. And I don't care how many times I see it, <laughs> I get I get emotional at the end of the movie. You know, here's this guy who's worked his whole life. And he sees it going down the tube. And uh, his wife goes out and rallies the community and they show up and they bail his ass out of this thing he's involved in. Um, and But the things that get said and then the looks that, that they exchange, you know, I love. So anyway, but there's some stuff in the movie that I noticed, all right? Donna Reed misspells Frankenstein. So when George comes home and he's uh and he's and, and he's 
clearly something's wrong. They Billy's lost the money. They've looked for it everywhere. Um, the bank examiner was there, and he finally comes home. And, uh, you know, he says, why, why is she, why is she banging on that piano? And he's, and he's pissed off and he grabs one of his kids and he sits down in a chair and she's decorating the, the Christmas tree. And when he thinks she's not looking, he, he pulls his, I think it's his daughter. I don't know if his daughter or son close to him and he's kissing her and he's crying. And she is just talking and decorating the tree, and she looks, and there's this scene where she sees him, right? That's, she sees him, and she knows something's terribly wrong. Uh, and it's a great scene. Um, and then they exchange these awesome glances at the in the final scene uh, that are really cool, too, that I think are similar. But anyway... So he eventually leaves the house, right? He gets pissed and he leaves the house. She says, George, why don't you? And then he grabs his coat, I think, and he leaves. Or maybe he doesn't grab his coat. Gets in his car. And that's when he goes and crashes in a tree. And he winds up in Martini's bar, right? Martini's tavern, whatever the hell it is. But anyway, when he leaves, her son comes up to her and says, how do you spell Frankenstein? And she says, F-R-A-N-K-I-N. And I was like, so I'm sitting there watching it, right? And (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I've never noticed that. Now, Frankenstein is F-R-A-N-K-E-N. So you wonder, did they do that on purpose? You know? So anyway, um, that's one of the things. The other thing I noticed um, is when um, George and uh, Donna Reed marry, are they're transporting the Martini family to their new home in Bailey Park. So they go back, they go over to where Mr. Potter has them living in this dump of a community and so there's all these people gathered and mr martini's very happy because he's you know he's gonna he's gonna in the american dream home ownership he's gonna own a home so you know they're uh all these people are gathered around and they're um all these people are gathered around and um the the martini girls get in the back of george and mary's car right it's an open-sided car right uh i don't know what you would have called one of these things but anyway it's an open-sided car uh, i mean it's got doors on the side th- things like that but there's no window it's just open right and so they hop in the car there's these three little girls they're dark-haired looking girls little italian girls and then then a goat hops in right if you remember in the scene in the movie. Well, if you watch Donna Reed, she's sitting with her back. She's holding a baby. And the, and, and she's helping the girls as they come in from the front seat. And then the goat hops in. And she grabs the goat by one horn. And she never misses a beat talking to the girls. 
And it's like, that's not really something that an actress would do, right? And if you watch the way she handles the goat, you're like, so I don't know what I saw about Donna Reed. I think it's like, you know how, uh, I don't know what I watched the movie on, Amazon Prime, but as you watch these movies now, if you if you hit the down arrow on your clicker and it goes to the like the timeline for the movie, it'll show you who's in the scene. And then if you if you go down again and you can go left and right to go through the people, it'll give you their little bio, right? So Jimmy Stewart's in the scene, you 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 get the arrow down to Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Stewart and it'll tell you who Jimmy Stewart was, an American hero, no kidding type. Um Father owned a drugstore, I think, or something like that, or a hardware store. And so uh, Donna Reed grew up in Iowa on a farm. <laughs> and, you, and you see these things. And then I play it for Colleen. I said, watch this. And Colleen starts laughing. She goes, oh, my God, she does. I'm like, you don't do that if you don't grow up on a farm, I don't think. You're like, nah. So um, anyway, so, yeah, I watched It's a Wonderful Life a few times. Raining here today in Southern California. And then Colleen and I went to the Nordstrom sale. Yeah, the Nordstrom sale. And normally it's, it's uh, for men, the, the Nordstrom's uh, half yearly sale is crazy. So I, I said, well, let's just drive by and, um, and see if there's anybody there because normally this thing is crazy. So we go and there's nobody there. Yeah. No kidding. It's like it's like going shopping the day after the end of the world. So I go in. I said, well, come on. We're going in. And so we go in. I'm talking to the guys there. And I'm like, is this what you expected? And they're like, we didn't know what to expect. Normally, this is this is the craziest day of the year for us. So that's why you see so many of us. I said, and, it, right, it's I'm not mistaken, but <laughs> uh, normally there's a lot of people here. And they're like, oh, that's an understatement, All right? That is an understatement. So, um, yeah, so Colleen, Colleen and I headed to Nordstrom's to check some stuff out. So, anyway, uh, good morning to you here on a uh, on a Monday morning. Uh, I think the biggest story that I would be paying attention to um, is... the anniversary of General Suleimani's hit that happened in Iraq on January 3rd. That is coming up. Uh, were I anybody involved in security in the United States, I would, um, I would be, I would be very, I'd be keenly aware of that anniversary and I would, um, I would also um, remind everybody that there are no such things as coincidences uh, in the McNamara security firm. We don't do coincidences. So um, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this Monday morning official. Alex Hollings is going to join us here in a couple minutes.
dig dedicated to uh, a couple of Marines who uh, I was talking to over the weekend. Um, hang in there. There's a path for you, uh, not only to a good life, but to a great life. And uh, you can do it. Betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think, and you don't say it honestly and bluntly. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that. Thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Alright, time to check the weather. In Quantico, partly sunny at 45, down the coast of Camp Lejeune, partly sunny at 59, 29 Palms, sunny at 49, Camp Pendleton, raining at 49, Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy 71, Okinawa, dark cloudy 70. For Marine Rotational Force Darwin, dark cloudy in 82, up in Norway, it is snowing in 34 late in the day. And here at the headquarters of All Marine Radio. What? There's eight weather warnings? That's a fucking all-time record, man. Why didn't anybody tell me? It's 50 degrees with rain showers. Special Marine warning today. Special Marine warning. 
number two, special marine warning number three, all different times associated with them, a flood advisory for Monday, high surf advisory, small craft advisory. I would say high surf, small craft, marine weather statement, that's one. So I am completely, completely rejecting the notion of eight different weather alerts. Completely rejecting that. I think there's like three. Okay. Um, looking for a high today of 56. What the hell is that? Tomorrow, 64. Wednesday, 65. Thursday, 63. And Friday, 66. That is a look at your weather. And um, we're going to take a quick break. Maybe 60 seconds. Let me get Alex Hollings on here. More of Marine Radio coming up here on uh, the Monday after Christmas. We'll talk about what Alex thinks are the top stories of the year. I'll kind of blindside him with that and see what he comes up with. And uh, then, as uh, you might expect, we'll uh, see what he did for Christmas, what he got for Christmas. So don't touch that dial. We'll be back in about 60 seconds with Alex Hollings. More of Marine Radio coming up next on Monday right here at the home of the end of the calendar year, All Marine Radio, on the All Warrior Radio Network. We used to get together every week. She's been home from her last deployment for months now, and I haven't seen her once. He's just been different since he got back from Iraq. One minute he's ready to go, and the next he doesn't want anyone around. The nightmares are back and seem to be getting worse. Shouldn't he be sleeping better after all these years? A lot of people don't understand what veterans go through during their service or when they come back. And that's okay. But everyone can help. You can make a difference in the life of a veteran. You stood by us when we were in uniform. So stand by us now. Like my brother did when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did when she made the call. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, the Confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. Hi, I'm Colleen McNamara, and you're listening to my dad on All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. On this Monday after Christmas, uh, gracious enough to join me is uh, Alex Hollings of uh, Sandbox News. So, uh, Alex, Merry Christmas. What's going on? Hey, Merry Christmas, man. I'm happy to be here. It's been a pretty rad week. I've actually been taking time off for like the first time in my memory, to be honest. Well, what do you think? It's uh, probably an underrated concept, yeah. I guess so. To be honest, I don't really know what to do with myself. I I keep finding things well, that you, are sort you, of work for you, me to do. You do have a daughter, right? 
yeah, and I love spending time with my kiddo, but, you know, she's got all these new Christmas toys, and oh. also she's kind of going through that phase of, I just don't really care about you, Dad. I really only want Mom here. Oh, you mean Which, she's she's growing up? It, and it uh, absolutely breaks my heart, but I'm trying to be a good sport about it whenever she's like, no, Dad, go over there. I'm playing with Mom. But uh, it does give me a lot of time to sit around trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with my hands instead of typing all day. <laughs> well, no, but you're a uh, you're a shop guy. You know, you make shields, you make knives. You have, uh, I mean, you. So, what would you call when you're doing that? I mean, it's not it's not work. Yeah, I guess I call that a hobby. I suppose right? I. I'm I am my best self with an objective. You know, I'm. Oh, really? emotionally and mentally in my best place when I'm working on something, whether it's, you know, a story for work or in my shop, it's why I spend so much time in the shop. Uh, but I don't know this week. I just, I, I've got a mess everywhere. I don't have a lot of projects. I'm actively working. Cleaning on. is always, that is what I've been doing. Most helpful yeah. for the idle. Uh, I mean, to me, I love to clean and whether it, I, 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 yeah. I actually do it too. I find it therapeutic. So my shop is immaculate oh, right now. Oh, that's nice. The uh, the living room upstairs is also immaculate, and uh, and I started today by cleaning the bathroom. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> no, once you get into that, um, it's uh, pretty cool. I I I did it on Sunday. I did it on Sunday, and. Um, I didn't mean to. Well, maybe it was Saturday. I think it was Saturday. And no, I, I think you're exactly right. I didn't mean to. You start by just picking up some stuff. And then right? one thing leads to another. My daughter, my oldest daughter, was told Christmas was Thursday. My or f- Christmas was Friday. Thursday, Friday. One of those two. Christmas was today's twenty eighth. Friday. Yeah, so anyway, Friday. she yeah. gets told on Wednesday that her boss has COVID. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and has she had direct exposure to her boss recently, I'd uh, imagine? Absolutely. And so, um, so a couple things. Uh, one, like, why are in a normal business, are we still doing that, especially in proximity to Christmas? Why aren't people remotely working? But again, that's just me as a father. I agree with that, right? though. I mean, but yeah. don't you think as, as like, as a business, like, hey, look, you know, we don't really, we can work from home. The holidays are coming up. Let's keep everybody, except the people that absolutely have to be here. And we'll only come in for the things we have to do here. And then everybody's going to go home. And that way we don't screw up anybody's holiday. But nobody. I mean, that is very much what we're doing at Sandbox. That's well, because you're a grown up. Um, maybe I should give you this guy's number. You can call him and talk to him. And <laughs> you could be an influencer. And so, so once you get over that, it's like, okay, so what do we do? Well, what would we do without Christmas? Well, Colleen would stay here with me. Catherine would stay with my ex, and she'd be sequestered in a room. And, you know, that's what you have to do, right? And so, but it's like, it is Christmas. So I guess we, I said, well, well, we have to postpone it. And my ex loves Christmas, right? Um, yeah. When we were married, we were stationed in Quantico. She got a job in the at a place called the Christmas Attic up in Alexandria, right? I don't think she ever brought a paycheck home from that place. <laughs> and I think, this sounds very much like when my wife worked at the mall early in my Marine Corps career. Like, she literally would get off her shift and then go shop whatever money that she had earned that day away 
and, and then she'd come home. And more. And more. Yeah. It, it was the Christmas addict after all. So she's crushed, right? I mean, this thing that, you know, she loves. I mean, it's, uh, but anyway, so it's like, so later on the day we talk, it's like, okay, now could we do something in the backyard where I will measure out distances, 10 feet, Catherine's banished over there. And, you know, the rest of us will be like this. We'll be masked yeah. up and all that, right? Can we do that where we could be together and open some presents? Um, so we said, yeah, we can do that. So so I move. This gets to my, compuls- my compulsive cleaning. So we take two couches and a chair from my living room, and we put it outside in the backyard so everybody can be comfortable. So now I've got everything out of the living room, and I can now begin to clean stuff I, ha- I haven't been able to clean. So I start. I start by just vacuuming. Now, I have no real intention of going down. It's This is not a manhole, a, a rabbit hole. This is a straight-up human-sized tunnel that I go down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so um, I start dusting the ledges of the, uh, of the trim at, uh, on the baseboard trim. Yeah, so I start dusting that, and then I notice all the wiring behind my TV and my stereo that's all. I'm like, look at that. I mean, it's like your basic bowl of spaghetti-looking thing. It started out well, but over the course of four years, it's degenerated into something that I, I look at and say, that's not me. That's not a statement of who I am behind the television. So, so I need to fix I, that. I'm honestly really enjoying the fact that you have the same mania that I do. Oh, <laughs> I really and it gets that. worse. Every cord had to be dusted. It all had to be cleaned. It you know sprayed down and cleaned. And I did that. And then and then every cord rewound right. And then yep. uh, with zip ties on it. I was going to say, and then you use zip ties to bunch them. Right? right, 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 right. And then, and then that's only after you separate elect- electricity from data because everybody knows to do that, right? Yep. Well, let me tell you, that is not a short project. Okay, that <laughs> takes me, I don't know, three hours to finally do all of it because of the complexity of the McNamara family um, electronic interface behind the television. This right. is honestly something I literally did this week. <laughs> I actually, I rearranged the furniture outside my office. I work in the basement and outside my office is this little living room type space yes. uh, and a bathroom. And my wife and I kind of use it as the mom and dad area. Like right. my daughter's not allowed to come downstairs because this is where the gun safe is and my workshop. Uh, so we have this little room uh, that we threw a couch in and a TV uh, and then a computer desk and stuff. And I decided I needed to vacuum under all of the furniture. So as I moved all of the furniture, it occurred to me that there's no there's no reason I have to put it back exactly the way it was before. So I did this all in the middle of the night, of course. Uh, so my wife got up the next morning, and when she came downstairs for something, she was like, what in the hell did you do last night? And I was like, oh, well, it was really important because I needed to make sure I vacuumed underneath the furniture. We hadn't done that in a while. And then once I had moved the furniture, and she was like, you, you are so obsessed with work that you're inventing work? to do and it's it's just me it's who i am i i like having a project you know hey i mean that's the way you think that my wife would be grateful (laughs) (laughs) that you're productive and you're not and she's not yelling at you to get your dead ass off the couch right yeah if anything my wife has to yell at me to get Get my dead yeah get your dead ass on the couch 
Yeah. Yeah. So no, Although, I'm know, totally I think it's with a you. Damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Because if I did spend the next few days sitting on the couch, my, that would also drive my wife nuts. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. So the secret is that I drive. It's my essentially wife. yeah, you driving your your yeah. your, 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 your your wife nuts. The uh. So what did you get for Christmas? Hey, l- listen to this, man. Um, you'll love this story. Um, because you've been around since this thing started. Pretty much. Um, I had a Marine come up to me. I was doing my thing out here at Camp Pendleton last week. I had a Marine walk up to me. Um, and, I, and I've and i taken to using the 23rd Psalm in the presentation. Not because I'm real religious and I kind of joke. If the Pope knew I was doing this, there would be a lightning bolt. A, a precision guided lightning bolt come right through this thing and just smoke my ass. And sadly, some of you will be dead too, so you better pray he doesn't know. But anyway... Um, I see the 23rd Psalm, and, and the imagery is powerful, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with the 23rd Psalm. Yeah, neither was I if somebody would have said it to me, but I, you will be here shortly. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Uh, so, right. So to me, the valley of the shadow of death is where life pushes people, right? It's the dark place where life pushes people. And David, who wrote it, of, the, of David and Goliath fame, right? Um, I think he a- aptly describes it. It is the valley of the shadow of death. And I have this image, really cool image, of what the valley of the shadow of death looks like. And it's not a pretty place. It's got vultures in the air, too, so it means bad things. It's like Jumanji gone wrong, okay? That's what the valley of the shadow of death is to me. And so I start talking about this. I said, I want you to think of post-traumatic winning, right, as the armory that sits at the entrance to that valley. And David doesn't go down there unarmed. Right? The last phrase says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so he doesn't go down there unarmed. He doesn't go down there with a bottle of pills and his, and a, and his rabbit's foot. He goes down there to fight and to fight his way through that thing. And so I want you to think of post-traumatic winning as the armory that sits at the entrance to that valley. And that you will, you will be able to not only arm yourself, but you'll be able to arm other people with a rod and a staff and a map and a compass to walk out of that valley. Not just to not just to be in there and give it a good fight, but to walk out out of that valley and transcend that valley. So so I'm doing this. So that's that's kind of the, the thing. And and I use it to try to plant, right, an enduring visual image. Kinda like the phrase, no fred no better friend, no worse enemies. Kinda like the phrase, first do no harm. Okay, all those chunk complex right? Complex ideas in a very short tagline. So when I think, when they think of the Valley of the Shadow of Death, or they think of this stuff, I, that's what I want them to think of. Valley of the Shadow of Death, post-traumatic winning armory. So anyway, that's that's the logic behind it. Um, so at the first break, Marine comes up to me, and he rolls his sleeve up, and he's got tattooed on his forearm, Psalm 23. Um, he came to this country as a refugee, um, he's had nine people in his family die of COVID. Uh, he had a cousin murdered here a month ago. Stabbed, she was stabbed 47 times. And he walks up to me and he says, I was going to kill myself this weekend. But I'm not because of what you said today here. Honestly, man, that's heavy. That's now, heavy. I've, I've been doing this for two years and I've had... I've had a lot of people tell me I would have killed myself had I not met you because that was the path that I was on. I've never had anybody say that. So I spent a couple hours with him on Sunday uh, down in San Clemente. And, That's awesome, uh, man. Isn't it? 
isn't it? And so, you know, so to me, this has been a Christmas uh, I will never, ever forget. Um, and uh, so in in addition to cleaning, um, and then this is another piece of this, of, of an, an additional story, but I get a, another email yesterday morning, laying in bed. You don't know me, but a friend of mine seen you, said, I need to get in touch with you. I need to, I need to, I need to hear your presentation. I'm out of the Marine Corps. And honestly, the only reason I'm writing this is because my friend, you know, hates mental health stuff. And he told me that your stuff is amazing. And I just want to, could you help me? Um, uh, the woman I'm with love, I'm in love with, she just told me that she can't do this anymore. And I know it's my fault. I know it's all my fault. I've been terrible to her. And, you know, so, um, so yeah, my weekend, you know, half filled with family and stuff, the other half filled with, you know, Marines that are struggling. And, and it's, it's honestly, it's the, I don't know, it's the coolest of the cools, man. It's the coolest of the cools. And so. It says a lot about you as a person that not only are you there, you know, when these guys need you, but it says a lot about you as a person that you're grateful that they reach out to you. Oh, you know God. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I would liken it to, I'm sure every Marine can re can relate to this. You know, when you're an NCO and you walk into the PX and you see some young guy there wearing a skivvy shirt or, you know, not, not wearing appropriate civilian attire. And as a Marine and as a leader, it's your responsibility to go over and correct that. You know, we all look out for our own. We all look out for one another. You know, the very same way that if you saw a guy in his dress blues with a big IP hanging off the back of his uniform, you'd go pull it off for him, right? right? But for a lot of us, going over and correcting <laughs> that Marine is the worst part of your day, right? You don't want to go. It's not exactly what do, you went to the PX to do. Exactly. And, like, it's going to screw up your morning to screw up their morning, and you don't want to do it, but you do it because it's the right thing, Right. And then conversely, when you see a Marine who's in need of help, especially mentally and emotionally when they're in need of help, for a lot of people, they'll do it. They'll offer that help. They'll answer that phone. But it's not what they want to do. It's not what it's not what they got up this morning to do, you know, and it's something that they, they will do because it's the right thing to do. Uh, but it's really tough for a lot of people to, to be that strength for someone else. The fact that for you, you see this as a high point in your weekend, I just think it's it speaks volumes about you. You're the guy that isn't leading because uh, it's the right thing to do. You're the guy who's leading because it's who you are. And I, I really, really respect that, man. Well, but you know, and to me, the coolest part of this out is that it comes from our culture, right? All of this, the whole presentation is Marine stuff. And so it's one of the things I love about it most. Um, but, you know, the, the, the way that you, you continually add to your life is you continually help people. And that's where the joy comes from. You know, I have this phrase, trauma to joy, right? The, the joy does not invent itself, man. Yeah. Right? The, the, you know, but you have to, and again, you don't even have to look for it. It's everywhere because there's so many people um that are struggling and so if you just are there for them if you're j if you if you'll look at them and say hey man um can i talk to you <laughs> um and they'll look at you 
and you just have a conversation with them and you open a door. And if you'll if you're if you know anything about post-traumatic quitting and you'll you'll look at them and say, Hey man, you know there's nothing wrong with you, right? You know there's not a fucking thing wrong with you. What you're going through is exactly normal for what you've been through. And Alex, you know most of the, a lot of these kids are miracles. There's no way this kid, one of these kids, he's a refugee. He's seen people hung and 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 murdered as his family that was part of a tribe that was being persecuted by another left, you know, and uh and uh, a nation in Southeast Asia. And then he became a refugee. Then somehow or other gets some gets to fucking Minnesota for God's sakes. Right? And then I mean, he's there's no way this kid the odds of this kid being in the Marine Corps are zero. But if you look at them and I do, I say, Man, you don't see this, but you're a miracle. And they just look at you like you're crazy. I'm like, No. Absolutely. Look at yourself. You don't belong here, right? There's no way you get here. Do you understand that? And they don't. But after they think about it, they begin to give it some thought. And they begin to go, whoa, whoa, that's some heavy shit, man. This guy's laying on me. And But if you say the F word often enough, that always brings them back down to, uh, <laughs> that always brings them back down. Brings them back to earth. Right. But I mean, but again, I mean, I mean, what I say, and, and again, the thing I love about it is, is, is that it's, it's really, really truth centered. And so when you say stuff to them, like, dude. You're never going to get over this. I can't get this out of my head. But okay, well, you're never going to get over that. I mean, and, I honestly, I can't and their heads snap. How important that is. Their head you know? snaps, and they're like, and then later on in the conversation, they'll look at me and they'll say, "Why didn't anybody ever tell me that before?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Most, it's the most fundamental truth. Once you know that, it kind of allows you to relax. Like, oh, so I'm not as fucked up as I thought I was. Oh no, you're fucked up. But you're not, but you're not, you're right. You're not as fucked up as you thought you were. Okay. And then, you know, and then, you, you know, and then you're doing it Marine style, right? So it's completely wrapped within the culture and you're not sending them outside of the tribe to go to talk to some dweeb who we would never even talk to or hang out with in our lives. And who right? often deals in platitudes. And, and I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is not to, oh you know, when God. you're, when you're struggling, you know, and you, it takes a lot to reach out in the first place, but what you finally do, you kind of, you, you gather up all your strength and you go and you reach out to somebody that you think you can help. And then when they respond and kind of can't answer platitudes that, that really don't mean anything, you know, in, in your life or in life in general, when someone says, oh, you know, everything happens for a reason. No, no, it doesn't. Fuck or at, at the very least when you're struggling, it certainly doesn't feel like it. And and all and importantly, hey, hey when Alex, you're struggling, how about time? Was, how about time heals all wounds? Another great right. Line. How yes, about these, how about there's a purpose in this? These bullshit hallmark card solutions <laughs> that make you want to kill somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And and it makes you feel like you are the one that's fucked up because when these people tell you these ridiculous platitudes that don't reflect reality. Well, it makes you feel like you're even more wrong. Well, and I think it, it, it makes you feel more isolated because it's like... That's, Why am I the only one that can't get better because time is healing all wounds? Right. That stuff is is like I feel so alienated from people that say that. And then I stand up and say time heals all wounds. That's a fucking lie. 
right? And so when somebody says that to me, if I like them, I say, thank you. If I don't like them, I say, get the fuck away from me, man. Pollyanna, I wish I could live in that world that you live in, but I don't, right? There's a purpose in this. Would you explain this? And people said that shit to my sister. I was standing behind her uh, the day of my nephew's funerals. And um, and I, I'm standing behind her in case she faints so I can hopefully grab her head before she hits the ground, right? Um, and you should hear the shit people say. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. My wife... Uh... My wife has, uh, I don't know, I'm sure she didn't invent the hashtag, but my wife is very actively involved in mental health stuff. You know, uh, she's been going to therapy for a while. She had a really difficult uh, childhood and and young adulthood, I guess. So she's been working through stuff for a long time. And uh, her favorite sarcastic response when we're watching stuff on TV or whatever and people give out those canned platitudes is always, thanks, I'm cured. (laughs) <laughs> and she is she absolutely hates that that approach oh, to mental health where people are like, Oh hey, you know, time heals all wounds. Oh, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, hey, Jay, just, Thanks, just I'm scared. check out the history channel and let me know what wounds that that is healed. Do you see those yeah. guys, right? 80, 80, 90 years old, right? They don't even know to tell the story. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they don't even know what zip code they're even near anymore. And half the time, they don't know their last name. But if you ask them about fighting on Iwo Jima, they will tell you in slow motion, high definition, what they did. You know how I can tell you that personally? When my my father had a stroke a number of years before he passed. So my dad had kind of checked out a long time before he passed away. He would have moments of lucidity, uh, but even those were not great. Uh, he'd think I was my brother or, you know, and that was about as best as it would get, right, as far as lucidity goes. Uh, but maybe a month or two before my father passed, uh, a soldier, my father served in the army, came to the hospital and in uniform and wanted to present my father with a certificate thanking him for his service in Vietnam. And when he came in, my father, we're talking about a guy who had no control over the left side of his body on, on a good day, uh, snapped to the position of attention and spoke to him using his rank it was as though my dad had just jumped right back to when he was 25 and in uniform, you know? And I don't think that there's any better representation of of what the military kind of creates within you. It, it doesn't brainwash you. It doesn't create a robot. What it does is it creates this part of you that can be disciplined, that can respond to orders, that that is willing to do stuff that you don't necessarily want to do but you know is for the greater good. And I saw that still very much alive in my father, you know, as, I, even years after most of the rest of what made my dad, my dad let go. Well, you know, and that's one of the things I talk about where, you know, this uh, trauma essentially and significant life experiences, that stuff is laser blasted into your brain tissue. It, it is. It becomes it a is, part of what you are. Right. It is not going away. And, uh, and my know, father being a combat medic in Vietnam. Oh, uh, my God. Had some, had How those dudes kids. are ever right ever again in the rest for the rest of their life is it's. Yeah. It's, and, and, and you know what? Truth is, they're not. Some of them were ju- are just good at faking it because, you know, the difference between being a medic and being an EMT is that EMTs don't work on their best friends. Yeah. EO, and, and again, 
it's not a clean event, okay? Just so for those of you who don't know, when you're doing the dance of death and they're trying as hard as they can to live and you're trying as hard as they c- you, you can to, uh, to save them and it's not working, it sucks. It is not like they're laying there silently and there's this pristine event. You can hear their breathing. You can see the look of, on their face. You can, you can feel their body. You're touching. It's just, it's if you've ever done it, it's horrible. And those guys do it all the time. And then they come home, and you know, and then other guys in the squad in the platoon, you're doing it every once in a while. The 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 medics do it all the time with to people they know. And but to your point, you know, uh, my dad. My dad struggled with that and other problems his whole life. He never, he never made that decision to reach out and get help. You know what I mean? We didn't, My dad but, but we didn't do it, helped. Alex. You, you know what we did? You know, and and guys like Sledge who wrote about World War II, Sledge cheated. He wrote a fucking book. Those guys didn't talk about it, right? The World You're War II right. guys didn't talk about it. The Vietnam guys got told, came home and they got shit on. Nobody wanted to even fucking deal with it, let, let alone hear their hear their whiny ass baby stories when they couldn't even win a fucking war, which is the kind of shit they heard at the BFW and the Legion from the Vietnam Absolutely. from the World War Absolutely. II guys. Like what the you know? And so you go through this, and then let me tell you this, and it's interesting. You know, your comment about your your wife. One of the rabbit holes I've gone down here in the last you know several months is the impact of adverse childhood experiences on our lives. Right. And of all the services, guess who has the toughest kids? Marine Corps. Why do you become tough, Alex, when you're a kid? Hardship. Exactly. Some, you know, some kids are just tough asses. Most of the kids that become tough, life makes you tough. And you know, so, I mean, it, it's just like bone density. Uh, your bone density is determined in large part during your childhood. And it's based on how much physical trauma you experience. That's when you're with that guy whose arms and legs just don't break. It's usually because you had a real rough go at it when you were a kid. And our, our personalities, yeah. our psyches develop in the very same way. And so when you think that, that you go through adverse events, when, you're, when you don't understand them, you don't know how to deal with them, so there's infrastructure damage. And then throughout the rest of your life, you put more plates on that. And at some point, people tap out. And, and, you know, I, for guys like my dad, there wasn't an all-Marine radio, a post-traumatic right. winning to call. No. You know, and that's no. why I really cannot, I can't overstate how much I respect what you're doing. Well, no, it's just, I mean, look, it's 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 necessary and required. And then, you know, and I'll tell you what, and so what I try to do in the, in, in the presentation now is broaden the lens and show them, you know, we have if if the if there's a, several studies right and they conclude that you know like 43% of people in the all volunteer force active duty uh said that there was uh, emotional abuse in their home 37% said there was alcohol abuse 24% said there there was domestic violence 12% said that somebody incarcerated lived in the home and 11 said 11% said that they were sexually touched in their own home. Now that's that's active duty DOD. I would tell you, and you can chime in, every one of those numbers is higher in the Marine Corps. We attract yeah. tougher kids. And I don't mean by one or two percent either. I mean, I mean by I'll t- say other than the sexual assault one, I as you went through that list, you checked a box in every one for me. Right. And twenty five percent 
of the of the uh, of those in the polls checked four or more of those categories. So what you have, and so if you, and so what I try to do in the presentation is, is this is our story, okay? It starts when we're young. We we look for a way out of that shit, a lot of a way out of economic tough times, sometimes bad family situations, and to get the fuck out of there. And we do. And the military has always been a vehicle for that. And especially since all volunteer force. Now you come in and you serve. And then, you know, sometimes service adds more to to your load. And you go looking for a way through the valley of the shadow of death. And you don't find it. Nobody gives you an answer. And then you keep going in life. And then I show them. When does suicide peak for veterans? It peaks in... um, it, you taught me this later yeah. in life than I thought. 55 to 74. And I said, so so now does that make sense? It starts when you're young. Plate, 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 plate. And then, you know, maybe later in, in life, you know, failed relationship and you're losing a business or whatever. And you just say, I'm done. I'm out. I can't do it anymore. And, you know, it's really interesting conversations I've had because, because of it. And somebody, somebody said, I've never had people put these pieces all together in one kind of panoramic view of our community. I said, well, that's us right there, man. And your wife, your wife is prototypical of the infrastructure damage done when we're little, you know, is most of the time is a defining characteristic. And I tell people this. I don't know anybody who killed themselves because of what they saw in Iraq and Afghanistan. I know people that were fucked up when they were younger and that those experiences and COVID's another layer that's causing people to kill themselves. So it doesn't matter if it's combat. It doesn't matter if it's COVID isolation. And, you know, I, I worked in the restaurant business. I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do this in the financial uncertainty. It's all, they're all traumatic events and they all add to the cumulative load that you bear. And if you don't know the way out of the valley of the shadow of death, at some point you get tired of hacking, of hacking that brush, of hacking that jungle. And a lot of people just say, fuck it, I'm out. And so you begin to look at it and you're like, oh, I can see it now. And then you just say, hey, man, here's the path. Start being a guide for people. And that's when shit changes. First for themselves and then then for other people. And so you're living it, man. You're living it with your life. You personally lived it yourself. You know, and I've referred to you as a post-traumatic winner on the program before. But, um, I mean, you've d- done it mostly through just being a hard ass about it. Honestly, I know I I appreciate you saying that, but I've done it mostly. I would really contend thanks to my wife. I, uh, I did have some tough, you know, I had some tough times. I would contend very much in keeping with what you're saying that I brought a lot of problems to the Marine Corps with me, you know, and uh, I think that I'm not alone, even remotely. No. And then, and then how do we deal with it, Alex? We fake it and we drink. Yep. You know, and absolutely. That's and, uh, 90%. Until... That's 90% of us, the way we do it, do it. And most of us do that our whole life. And that's no, the culture. And that's the culture. I will readily in. admit that. Uh, so the, the turning point for me was when my wife went to the emergency room because she was having a really bad anxiety attack. Uh, I would contend that my wife has her traumatic experiences significantly outweigh my own. I guess is how I would uh, how I would explain it. And but she's led her whole life in a very similar fashion. My wife is a hard ass. My wife is the tough one between the two of us. She's the one that'll hop on the phone and be mean to the telemarketer when I'm trying <laughs> to be polite, you know. 
And, uh, but you know, she, she had some really, really difficult experiences. She had a really bad anxiety attack once this was not that long ago, just a few years ago. And, uh, she went to the emergency room and she was involuntarily admitted to a psychiatric facility. Uh, as luck would have it, it was a really bad one. Uh, and that facility has since been shut down because of legal issues. It was a really, really negative experience for my wife while she was there. And she was stuck there for four days because it was a long weekend and they needed a doctor to clear her for release. The whole thing was a really negative experience. Right. But when she, when she got out, she said, okay, I need to make sure that never happens to me again. I'm going to start going to therapy. I'm going to uh, reevaluate my approach to this. I'm going to find a therapist oh. that I think will work well for me. And uh, it was my wife making those decisions that made me go, oh, shit, maybe I ought to try some of this stuff, you know? And, may, uh, and, may, and maybe I could be a baller like my wife. Yeah, maybe I can not be and, – and I don't want to speak ill of my father. He had a lot of challenges that he didn't do a great job with. I want to be a better dad than that, right. you know? But this is the reason why I can really I, – I speak from personal experience when I say that it takes – weeks it takes months to get the courage to make that phone call well it takes years for a lot of people and then then they and they still don't do it because my first day in therapy and, I was and can so i tell you something that's why it's so important shame. that's why this in my opinion most of us don't need a therapist most I of us, agree. most of us need a coach most of us don't have you know what i would call Severe mental illnesses, what, what is classically defined as a severe mental illness, which is severe depression, bipolar, you know, uh, personality disorder, schizophrenia. Most of, us, most of us need a staff sergeant to put their meat hook on our shoulder and say, Hollings, you're fucked up, but you're just as fucked up as the rest of us. And no Honestly, that, that's it. Right? That is it. And we're, I'm going to show you. I'm going to sit down with you, and I'm going to map this out. And and the combination of that credibility of somebody who you know that would die for you, looking you in the face and being the coach, the mentor, the teacher that you joined the Marine Corps to meet, is that's that's it. That's that's what we need. That's what we need. And 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 again, I would tell you that right now, what the, what the military has done is it's outsourced mental health. So Hollings, oh, okay, you need to go over there now. Now you're outside of the tribe. The staff sergeant says, well, Hollings is okay. Because they're talking to the mental health people. Well, and then it turns out that 66%, 50 to 66% of the people that go don't improve. And on top of that, you'll be fortunate as an active duty service member or honestly, even as a veteran going to the VA, you will be fortunate to even get to speak to that counselor a few times. More often than not, they just throw pills at you. And and I'm not I'm not saying that No, that's a, hey, that's the treatment That's the treatment protocol, I right? Medication. The treatment protocol is you have this diagnosis, right? Let's just say it's PTSD or whatever, right? You get these medications in these dosage, right? You go to group therapy, you go to uh, individual ther talk therapy, right? And all those things are coded. They're all blessed by big insurance. They're all blessed by big pharma. Nobody's fucking getting sued. And so, and then ask the question, well, will that help Hollings? Well, it's supposed to. No, that wasn't my question. Is that what he needs? It's the way we treat it. Well, you're not listening to me. Is that going to help him? And the answer most of the time is no. And you I know, especially when I it comes to it medication. All the time. I Statistically speaking, antidepressants work only slightly better than placebo in clinical trials. 
But we, Whoa. more often than not, treat the idea of antidepressants like it's a solution. There you go. It, and and I want to I want to be clear. Even if you know, even if you have a chemical issue, a wiring issue, where antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds, something like that, are really appropriate and necessary. Even if that's the case, you are still not going to get as much out of popping a pill every day. It's not going to make you the better that you're looking for unless you go talk to somebody, unless you share your experiences, unless you do something like what Mac is talking about. Because ultimately, and this is uh, the way I've explained it for a long time, if your emotional well-being is a negative 10 to a positive 10 spectrum, and positive 10 is you know, winning the lottery while on a roller coaster at Disney World, and negative 10 is that moment right before you jump off a bridge. Antidepressants are not going to move you from a negative 7 to a positive 8. Antidepressants might move you from a negative 7 to a negative 5. The rest is on you. And, and there's a really high likelihood that you won't even get that much improvement out of a medication. And again, I'm not saying don't take medication. I, I do take medication. For some people, it's probably the best thing. But what I am saying is that medication doesn't solve your problems. If anything, at best, what medication can be for you is it can give you that little bit of breathing room that you need to pick up the phone and call a guy like Mac. Or well, it can give you, you that breathing what, room that you and, need. And the way I say that is I, um, you can't medicate yourself to a good place. You can't. And, but I, and I say but, that as a person who spent years trying. But medication might be part of getting you there, meaning medication may be a bridge to getting there. You can't talk, right? Your wife can't talk to things that damaged her when she was a little girl to good things. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I and I say this, you know, what are the right words to unsee, to, to somehow make it good, somehow find peace with seeing somebody decapitated? Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, what, what's the right sequence? What are the keywords? I'll say them, I swear to God, and I don't care how many I have to say. How do I unsee that? How do I unsee? Because, you know, when it happens, it's not like in a, in a movie where it's nice, clean cut. You know, extra skin flopping around the neck, looking down. You know, when you turn somebody's, you know, ch you know pilot chair over, and then all of a sudden you're staring down their esophagus, right? I mean, how do you, how do you and then you got to go find the head. How do you? What are the words? And so, but talking about it is certainly a part of getting to a great place. And, and so a more mature discussion that comes from within the culture of, of our culture or any culture where, you, where this is seen as a normal part of life, in my opinion, is what we need, right? I agree. We, you know, what we need. I think that what you're doing can very legitimately be the difference between uh, someone who isn't able to pull that trigger, isn't able to step across that threshold and say, hey, I'm fucked up. I need some help. There's a lot of people out there who are too afraid to do that in the way that the system currently allows, which is I'm going to go talk to a stranger. It's probably going to be a 65-year-old woman who's a lovely lady <laughs> but has no experience in the military and has no idea what it is that I'm talking about. Where I know I'm going to spend the majority of my one-hour sessions each week trying to explain what the words I'm using mean. Right. For a lot of guys, that isn't sustainable. Yeah. That isn't something that you're going to so do. So when I look at her and say, and Helen, it was fucking legit, man. 
right? Part, could you explain that to me? You know, how, I don't understand fucking legit. What does that mean? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Helen. I think <laughs> that I've actually been a terrible impression on my therapist because now she swears as much as I do. Well, there you go. So. You're making progress. <laughs> no, yeah. you know, but again, um, it is when you see... When you see somebody look at you and smile, and when you say, do you see the path now? Do you see that there's nothing wrong with you? Do you see that you're just in in the darkness and that there is a way for you and you can do it? And then let me tell you how you're going to change your life. You're going to be somebody else's guy. You have friends that are dealing with this shit too, don't you? And they just look at you and they just nod their head. You're going to show them this path. You're you know, gonna, isn't it easier to run when you're leading the formation and calling cadence? It oh. always was for me. Oh, are you kidding? You set the pace, right? Right. Yep. You're the you're, yeah. So but when yeah. you're when you're that guy, when you're the guy who this is hard for, and you step out of that formation and you start calling cadence for all those other guys, your mind is focused on the formation and the run and the cadence. It's kind of the same when when you've gone through a really terrible experience, you can. Either try your best to lock that in a box that you just keep shoving down in your psyche as it keeps coming back up, or you can step out of the formation and call cadence for somebody else. Oh, and you let know? me tell you, man, and once you do it once, um, once you do it once, it is the most addictive um, drug that you'll ever take in your life. I mean, let me tell you this. So, you know, so I go down and hang out with this, this Mar- and he's a Marine, right? And we we go down to San Clemente, where I, you know, where I I, I used to live, where I'm going to live again, and a place I love, and we're just hanging out, talking shit, and it's a great time, and 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 you're 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 listening to his story, and and you're just we're, you know we're sitting around you know up over overlooking the water, and then we go walking down the pier, and it's you come home. And all, even on the drive home, kind of the quiet time of my own you know, driving home, you're like, this has been one of the best Christmas I've ever had in my life, right? Didn't get to open all the presents. You know, we did a Zoom call with my, you know, my, my sons and their families. And, and so they're, they weren't even here. But I will never, ever forget this Christmas. And it has been one of the most wonderful Christmases in my life. COVID and everything else. Why? Because of the joy that comes with Helping somebody else, which is, you know, which the Grinch found out is truly the, the, the spirit of Christmas. And that's the addictive nature. And that's the whole trick of, you know, that phrase I say, trauma to joy. Once you, once you get a taste of that, you never want to go back in the formation again. You have to because you've got to take care of your own shit, you know. But as often as you can, when you hear somebody that's struggling, you're like, hey, I want to talk to you. You're like, what? Like, I want to talk to you. Leave me alone, please. No, I need to talk to you. Why? Because helping you helps me. And 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 that's the significance of it. That's the significance of it. And uh, so, so really cool shit, man. Really cool shit uh, on Christmas. And so, um, what did you get? Did you get any presents for Christmas? You like presents. I, I, I love presents. I love giving presents more so than anything. But uh, I, I got a remote control car from my buddy Grizzly, an old Vietnam vet I hang out with pretty often. Uh, but other than that, I didn't get anything because my, my wife and I kind of made an agreement kind of. like a month or two Did back. Did she violate it? 
She she almost <laughs> violated it. She usually I'm the one. You know, when we say we're not going to get each other anything, and then I go and get her something just so that I can be that asshole. Uh, but we absolutely probably a little too much uh, spoiled our daughter this Christmas. We uh we this when I was a kid, it was not at all uncommon. Again, my family made a big deal out of Christmas for me to come down on Christmas morning, and there to just seem like a sea of presents, right? And uh, right. most of them were really inexpensive little things. It wasn't really about what you spent on it, you know. It was just about that fun experience of opening toys. So we kind of tried to do that for my daughter, and it wasn't until Christmas Eve when I was carrying all these little knickknacks and stuff upstairs that I realized when it seemed like a sea of presents during my childhood, it's because, A, I was a lot shorter, (laughs) and, B, there were three kids in the house. We just have the one. So we – we probably went a little overboard, I, overboard, I guess, on uh, on our presents for my daughter. But she uh, she had an absolute blast, and convincing her to like Christmas more than Halloween uh, <laughs> is something I get I derive a lot of pleasure out of because my wife hates Christmas and loves Halloween, and I love Christmas. So I think that I've convinced her that Dad is right. Christmas is the superior holiday, and that's the best gift I could have possibly gotten. <laughs> so. Nice. No, I mean the the magic of Christmas, right? You see it all the time, um, and uh, and it's uh, you know especially when they're little and they come around the corner and you see the look on their face. Yeah, this was her <gasps> first year, man. Like Santa, you know, last year, she Santa had just turned came, two. Mom, Santa came. That's Very one good. thing I've been having trouble with. I never really pushed the Santa thing too much because something about it. Does she? Just be- does weird. she? Does she believe it? I'm not sure if she does or doesn't. I suppose maybe she does because we haven't said anything to counter it. But I also haven't really pushed the idea that Santa's here. It seems weird to me to be like, yeah, once a year this dude breaks into our house and (laughs) and eats some of our food and he'll leave you presents. Look, stop being so analytical about Santa, okay? That might be fair. That's fair. uh, I'm not sure about this. Like, I am 100% opposed to Elf on the Shelf. I am not going to teach my daughter that surveillance is a normal thing that you should be accustomed that's, to. That's wrong. That's wrong. Uh, but I'm, I'm on the fence about about how to talk to her about Santa. So I, I for the most part, I just kind of avoided it. Well, <laughs> you know, again, we I, I've, told, I've told the stories about my sons. And, and they're, they're to me, when they're little, you just let it go. and then But there comes an age when their friends who have older siblings at that school was me. at school that say was, I was hey man never believed yeah there's there's no such thing as that and you're, and you're like what and so then you can't have them coming home and spilling that to the other to the little kids cuz they get it they have a right right so I, agree. Yeah. I used to i think at about 9 years old that's when kids kind of wise up to it and so i was very sensitive to listen when they would emit anything anything that gave me an indication that they were they were non-believers in this in the christmas jihad anymore and when they became that was one thing my <laughs> wife was uh was animate about when i grew up most of our presents came from santa right. and my wife was like i don't want her to think that we don't love her and santa gave her all the presents let's make like two presents from santa so she can know we paid for the rest and i was like <laughs> I, i'm not sure you're getting the 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 spirit of the of the holiday here <laughs> like, hey, that's a that's a good you we could debate the quality spread on that 
But um, but no, that's that's absolutely legit, man. That's absolutely. You know, she did make one good argument for it, which was how bad will other kids feel if you know if our daughter, you know, we're very fortunate in 2020. I already worked remotely. You know what I mean? We had a a tough year at work, but financially, I didn't lose my job. You know, right. and uh, so we're really fortunate. But how awful would it be if a similar year happened and my daughter went to school and was like, "Oh, Santa got me. We bought her a little puppet show." Uh, a little puppet show and some puppets, like the sound uh, of like the sound of music puppet show. High on uh, the hill kind, from it really it's kind of just like a, a vinyl tent shaped uh, like a puppet show. Got it. Uh, and then just like some little animal puppets. Really I watched the, the sound of music the other night. I've never seen it. Believe it oh or my not. God, like, are you kidding me? Uncultured, uncultured swine. Well, I don't know uncultured. Well, yeah, you probably are, but that has nothing to do with the sound of music. <laughs> um, but it's a great movie. I'll have to give it a try. You know, I avoided It's a Wonderful Life uh, for, I mean, I want to say 20 years. And then uh, one year, uh, I was living with my dad at the time. He and I barely ever talked. And he was like, hey, man, you want to watch It's a Wonderful Life with me? And I was like, nah. absolutely not. <laughs> you know? And he was like, come on. Come on. Be a good sport. Sit down and watch a little bit with us. I love that movie. It's Wonderful Life is a fantastic movie. It's so my, maybe it's, maybe it's, I need it's to my give favorite. the sound of music a try too. It's my favorite. I said this in the first thirty minutes. Um, Donna Reed misspells Frankenstein when George storms out of the house, and and she knows something's wrong, and he's going to go to Martinis and have a few drinks, right? Have a few belts. Um, the son says, "Is Daddy okay, Mommy?" And she says, "I can't remember what she says." I don't remember if she says yes or no, but then he says, how do you spell Frankenstein, Mommy? And she says, F-R-A-N-K-I-N, and then the, the, the shot moves away. And I don't Which know why. Wrong. It's wrong, right? It's I never wrong. noticed that. Neither did I. And I've seen it a ton, a ton. And another thing I'm going to give you is when you watch it again, Donna Reed grew up on a farm in Iowa. When, when... When um, George and Mary are br- moving the martinis from their home or their rented place in, in Potter's you know, field or whatever he calls it to their new home that they just p- purchased through the Bailey building and loan, um, the three little girls get in the back of their car, right? And then a goat hops in. Donna Reed has a baby on her lap sitting in the front seat. Donna Reed, right, Hollywood actress, reaches back, grabs the goat by one of the horns and never misses a beat as she's talking. And I looked at that and I was like, that's not really, I know she's an actress, but she's way but that's too. That's not acting. Yeah, that, that she, it's not. Cause she never even misses a beat. Like she's got this goat by the horn steering it in the back seat while she's like acting. I'm like, sure enough, Donna Reed, farm girl from Iowa. I respect that. I respect <laughs> that. <laughs> things, things to, things to look for the next time but i love that movie it's about redemption it's about community it's about going to a a dark place and uh, hopefully you have an angel and let me tell you this everybody not all angels have to come from heaven you could be some angel somebody's angel too boom (laughs) how do you like that so what's going on at sandbox who's minding the store you guys doing any news we have to do a like year in review show biggest story i was going to ask for that but you fucked me up today oh man well you know maybe we can jump on it for next time because i'll actually this week i'm putting together our top stories for 2020 but uh i am i'm off today and tomorrow but uh i've got some i've got some guys minding the shop we've got some great content coming out 
Uh, we are not taking time off, even though I am taking time off. Uh, uh, fortunately, sandbox. Hey, sandbox news never sleeps. Never sleeps. I took a total of nine days off in 2020, including weekends. And uh, so, when I said I'm going to take Monday and Tuesday off this week, I really meant it. Except that I'm actually I'm, I'm still doing our print edition. I'll be working on that once I get off the phone with you. Uh, so I'll, I'll still be working because I'm incapable of not getting some stuff done. But uh, but I'm going to do my best for these next couple of days to spend as much time on my ass on the couch as I physically can. Go. I'm going to try. Well, you know, I, and, and the reason I think there's a few reasons why that's important. One is that you need them. But the other thing is that it makes you conscious of, you know, I hate to, I hate the word wellness, of the wellness of the people that work for you. And, uh, and I think wellness, first of all, has to start with you and then you can help other people, um, with their own, but uh, I agree. I'm a bad example. I, every time I hire someone, that's what I tell them. I say, I maintain a terrible work life balance. I expect you not to emulate it. Yeah. Well, so if you get an and email you know, from me at 10 you say that night, though, you know, you say that, but what, what do they do? What do they believe? They believe. You're right. You know what I mean? But so I think this it's is important. the best Christmas gift I've gotten is I hired an associate editor named Tori Rich, who's uh he was a Marine uh Harrier mechanic uh when he was in. He got yeah. in smart, right around the exact guy. same time that I did. Uh he is going to be starting on January one as my associate editor, which means I get to pawn off a lot of my day to day work to poor Tori. Uh I'm so excited about it because it means weekends off and it means you know, not necessarily having to write 3,000 words a day. Uh, so poor Tori, you know. Uh, so in 2021, as you see stories pop up from Tori Rich, you know, give him a like, send him a message saying, I'm sorry you work for Alex because that guy is going to be, taking, <laughs> you know, probably a third of the day-to-day stuff that I do off my plate so that I can – 2021 is the year that I start to maintain a good work-life balance. That's my goal. Whoa. Or a, maybe a better one. Maybe not a good one, but a better one. You know what? I, I think that's the reasonable goal is, you know, I think that a lot of times when we try to modify our life, we try to do it too much at one time. And the trick is, is, is I think that, you know, what makes the Marine Corps great isn't perfect plans and perfect execution. It's relentlessness. And so to me, be committed I'm going to change my life. I'm going to be relentless about it. I'm going to gradually move my cheese till I get it to a win. I know I'm going to fail, but you can't do these things. You can't just take the wheel and, and turn it 90 degrees. So just be relentlessly committed uh, to having a better balance, and slowly but surely over the course of a few years you'll get it there. Honestly, you worded that, you worded that better than I could have. But I, I That's what I do. Genuine, I genuinely I'm, a, I'm a word guy. That. I'm a word guy. I think the reason why I've had, you know, a decent career here in journalism, as much as anything, is is that relentlessness. It's that it's truth, on a good yeah. day or a bad, there's stories that are going to come out. And you never know, you know, I have had many opportunities present themselves off of a story that came out a year and a half ago that nobody read at the time, you know, and you never know how, that's, how that snowball is going to roll downhill. So I try my best to keep pushing it down that hill. Uh, but I'm... I'm Actually, I'm excited to say this. I shared it on social media, but I haven't really shared it anywhere else. Sandbox News crossed 20 million views on the year last week. And okay, just uh, just to give everybody some sense, what did they do last year? Uh, well, Sandbox News didn't exist 
uh, at this time last year, which is we, we did have the Sandbox blog, which was a corporate blog for my my corporate company, my corporate backers. Uh, and they primarily released content that was oriented at uh, service girlfriends and spouses. It was one or two stories a week. Uh, when I came on, I came on on December 15th of, of last year and uh, started editing the first submissions because I had said, we're going to start this thing. We're going to. I need content. I hired a few writers. Please send me some stories. And I was just starting to edit the content that would become the first published posts on Sandbox News shortly thereafter. Sandboxnews.com and, and what didn't month, even come until three months later. What month was that? Uh, in January is when Sandbox News launched. And, and, uh, so, and, you, and you came on board in like, like a year ago, right? I came on board on December 15th. So uh, about, about 15 that? days. My memory sucked, but off. I remember that for some reason. Yeah. Well, for me, honestly, it was a huge change. I had spent the majority of my journalistic career working for a different outlet until that point. And even though I wrote for a number of outlets, my my home base outlet uh, was SoftRep for, you know, from when I got my start with my first credited writing. I did a lot of writing prior that was uncredited. Uh, I got my credited start at SoftRep. I stayed there for a number of years. And uh, when I came onto Sandbox News, the the effort, the intent was really to make something that didn't exist before, which was an apolitical news outlet that shared important information, important analysis uh, without sensationalism, but that also could be entertaining and, and motivating. Dude, and, can I tell you something? I think that's what a lot of people miss when they try to create content. If it's not entertaining, like this conversation, right? If it's not entertaining to people, why would they listen? Why would they? Honestly, I it's mean, true. For information? I mean, come on, people can get information anywhere. If it's not compelling, if it's not entertaining, they ain't coming back. And it's the, it's the real truth, you know? And I, I see that often because a lot of people send me stories that they say, hey, you know, we should do something about this, or maybe you should write an article about this. And my, my response is often, this does sound cool, uh, but I don't think people are going to care. You know, when when I get an email saying, hey, we should write a whole new story about this change to the uniform policy that says that you have to wear a different pin on your collar. I say, you know what? Absolutely. You know, we'll get we'll get that word out. But that story is not going to be what pays our bills this week. <laughs> We're really going to have to find something that people I, it doesn't have to make you feel good, but it's got to catch your interest. It's got to be something that you want to learn more about. And because we avoid politics, I don't have to fall into that. I'm going to make a headline that's so upsetting to you that you feel you have to click on it to find out how bad things are. Instead, we try really hard to focus on the nobility of the service member and what service is and the issues that really do face America's military, either at a policy level or a strategy level or a tactical level. And uh, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of fantastic military news outlets out there where we have partnerships with the majority of them. Uh but I, I really wanted to build something that was a little bit different, that wasn't a place that you would go to every day to doom scroll and find out about how bad the world is. And I, I, I genuinely could not be more proud of what we did this year. I would love to take credit for it, but it really was, you know, we have 17 writers on our staff and pushing 20 million views in your first year of existing is, is no small, uh, no small thing. And 
I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to the people listening right now that reach out to me on social media and click on Sandbox News content, to the writers that put it together, to the other editors who support our stuff. I, I would not have guessed. My goal for this year was 10 million views, and we we smashed that. So uh, as a parting hey, shot for me, hey, I just want to doubling my gratitude. Doubling is not smashing, okay? Doubling yeah, big is, deal, right? is obliterating the shit out of it, okay? <laughs> I really... I annihilating it man no but, but again you know i go back i go back though you know? to i go back to relentless alex i mean all your different stops along the way um from writing you know uh stories about equipment to um you know to popular mechanics to uh, which I want to go. I, I still, I actually, I'm right. doing more for Pop Mac than ever. They're they're great people over there, right? And, but I mean, all those things, and 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 you know, the thing I tell uh, Marines, uh, I ask them. I said, "Do you guys know what makes the Marine Corps special?" And they look at me and like, you know, like, "What's the right answer to this?" <laughs> right? And I say, "It's not recruit training. What makes the Marine Corps special is you." People that look at a challenge in our culture, the, most of our culture isn't doing this, right? Especially with an organization recruits that recruits with a slogan, maybe you could be one of us, the few, the proud, the Marines. Now, if you ask a professional recruiter if they like that, that they like that, the, the answer is no, because it alienates people. It's intimidating. And then we all say, <laughs> I know, right? But so when you look at a, a, a whole group of people that will look at that, and the videos that surround it that exist now that didn't exist when I was a kid, um, a young guy and, and, and was looking at the Marine Corps, um, people look at it and say, I'll try that. And most people don't know if they're going to get through it. I'll try something in a very public way that I'm not sure that I could get through, knowing that if I fail and come home a failure, I'm going to be ridiculed for it. I said so. Yeah, you're, you're literally talking about the things that keep me up at night, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so right. You're so and, and and the Marine Corps in its infinite wisdom, you get there, they shave your head. So if you if they throw you out, you can't go home and say, "Yeah, I thought it was bullshit," so I just said, "Fuck it" and left. You can't do that. They shaved your head because your friends will say, "Well, you started training though," because they shaved your head. Could, I mean, you just couldn't do it. So the Marine Corps is brilliant in terms of that. And so I so I look at everybody. I said so. We have a corporation of people that have looked at that challenge and say, yeah, I'll try that. And I said, you wonder why the crucible ceremony is so powerful? Because for the first time in a lot of people's lives, they earn that shit. Nobody gave it to them. They earn that shit. And I said, and if you, and, and if you don't believe me, right, everybody in the DOD knows who the fighters are in, in, in the United States. And we are at the top of that list as a corporation. Nobody fights like we do, and everybody knows that. You, If you go, go with Marines. It's a better deal for you. And I said, and if you're ever f so fortunate in your life to go fight for this country as a Marine, you'll see it in action. It will literally take your breath away. When Marines scream help, people don't call up and play 20 questions. They come, swing in a chain, and they'll die. And I say it's the most inspirational thing I've ever seen in my life. And they don't do it when it's convenient. They do it every time you scream. That's what makes us different. And Alex, it's that relentless nature that you have in you, that you had in you when you were a kid that took you to the Marine Corps, that, you know, that, that has taken you through all these stops. 20 million views. Did everybody hear that? That's no bullshit, man. 
That's no bullshit. And this will not be the last gigantic thing you do in your life. You have your resume is too huge. And so Sandbox oh, better be paying you. A, hey, Sandbox better be paying you a lot of money, right? Because they don't want to <laughs> see you going. I don't know who your agent is, but you better get on your J-O-B, man. This guy from I, nothing to $20 million in, in in less than 12 months. I mean, that is phenomenal for anybody that's in the media business. And uh, so, dude, you deserve every day off you get. And again, your relentless nature will continue to push those numbers up. And so, I, you know, congratulations to somebody who's watched your career a little bit. Thank you. Hon- like, honestly, I, I, I can't thank you enough. That really, really does mean the world to me. And, and for anybody listening, I think we could say all the exact same things about Mac. That's the reason why we're here right now, right? You don't need to. Enough. You don't need to. They know you'd be lying. They know I'd be like, no, they know that you're rad because you'll be the first to tell them, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's not even a subject for discussion. Hello. But honestly, I, you know, while we're, while we're looking back as a parting shot, I do want to say, you know, I started coming on all Marine radio as a nobody writer that, uh, that you were just like, Hey man, yeah, it could be interesting to give you a chance in a very real way. You were one of the first breaks that I got, you know? So I, I can't thank you enough. I genuinely believe part of the reason why I'm here is because, you know, for years now I've been able to hop on the radio, talk to you about important things to an audience full of people just like us. Right. And uh, I, I just, I can't thank you enough. And I, those people out there who are listening now, who have been to Sandbox News, I can't thank you guys enough for supporting us either. No. Well, let me tell you, uh, w- what wins at the end of the day is quality work, right? I mean, people will give you, a, you and you and I both know this, people will give you a chance. And, and I say this about post-traumatic winning. The reason why post-traumatic winning works is because it's based in the truth. And I tell the story of a Lance Corporal who had had a bunch of suicide in his family and murder, looked at me as he was walking out of the presentation and said, I can't stay for shit like this. I've had too much of it in my life and this stuff does nothing but piss me off. Piss me the fuck off, right? And which is what? most mental health training does, truth be told, right? And so when we sat down, he looked at me and he said, does it ever stop hurting? I said, no, never. And he said, the reason that I decided to talk to you because you're the first person that ever told me that. And that, that's why the truth, right, at the end of the day, the truth is so important um, to this stuff because what wins at the end of the day is the truth. What wins is people that aren't afraid of it, what wins are people that are relentless about it, and 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 Alex, I mean, that's your, that's you, man, that's you, and it's, and let me tell you, your success is quintessentially marine, right? It's relentless, and uh, and so I, I you know, that's, again, that may but, be the the best compliment that I've ever received. But twenty, but twenty million, come on, man. I mean, that's, yeah, I. Are you sure? I'm telling you. Right? Are you making that's that up? Are you making that up? Refresh on Google <laughs> Analytics to make sure it wasn't giving me somebody else's numbers. Are you, you're not <laughs> making me look bad, are you? The uh, no. Well, hey, look, enjoy every minute of it, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Thanks for coming on, and uh, you know, let me tell you, your wife's is uh, is a great example of you know she's never been to the post traumatic winning class. But if she someday she'll go, I know we're that gonna need to, we're going to need to do this. We're going to need to get her into one of these. Well, because because let me tell you, I mean, the 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 great place for your wife is as she begins to help other people go down that same path. She went down by herself, unescorted, and that's a pretty amazing human being. 
So not sure how you wound up with her, but congratulations, dude. It's always awesome to talk to somebody who marries over their head. Yeah, I outpicked my coverage for sure. She's also (laughs) way better looking than me. So I I really did win the lottery on this. That's awesome. (laughs) No, but again, but that's... That's the truth, man. That 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 crushes many people, and to pull yourself out of it by yourself, uh, that's uh, that's a special human. So, uh, congratulations on that, dude. I don't know how you really did that, but uh, but nice going, nice going. I appreciate it. I appreciate right. it. So, tell everybody where they find your work, and I'll let you go. Uh, make sure you stop by Sandbox. News. This was supposed to be 30 minutes, by the way. Yeah, well, I, 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 I am never short-winded when I talk to Mac. I mean, not that I'm short-winded anyway. But uh, Come by SandboxNews.com. That's Sandbox with two X's. Please make sure to uh, check me out on social media. At Twitter, that's at AlexHollings52. On Facebook, it's AlexHollingsWriter. And I have a brand-new Instagram account because someone had stolen pictures of my daughter and I and used them for a spammer account. So I had to set my stuff to private. So if you wouldn't mind, give me a follow on Instagram at Alex Howling's rights. Uh, you know, it's only about a hundred followers right now. I am building a brand new, uh, profile. So I'd appreciate any support I could get on that. (laughs) But most importantly, swing by sandboxnews.com. Got it. All right, man. Have a, have a great holidays and happy new year, man. Yeah. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. You got it. All right, bud. See you. Do you have it? Do you want only Alex Hollings? Twenty million, man. That's that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And that will do it for this program. Um, if you're just tuning in, it wasn't supposed to go this long. Uh, I was only going to do an hour, and that was going to be it. And so, me for 30 minutes, and then Alex. And so, um, so anyhow, I hope, um, I hope you're having a good holidays. Um, take some time to, uh, to do the things that, uh, you don't do very often. And again... Don't be afraid to change somebody's life. It is the coolest thing you could do. So we're going to take about a 30 second. No, I've learned how to, I've learned how to do this. Watch. So I have to end the show and I'll dial down the, the, the outro music is what it's called. You've heard of intro. Well, this is outro music. So I'll dial that down and then I'll put a, push it back up. I'll save the file and then put it on the server. So watch this. So on a Monday, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you. The year's ending, so I don't think Happy New Year's appropriate yet. Another day or so, we'll get to that. So, have a great day. Don't be afraid to change somebody's life. A lot of people hurting out there right now, so reach out to them. On a Monday, I am out.